Welcome to the George Lynch Hunting Podcast, brought to you by Legendary Gear, the game call company that is legend by design. Well, folks, we're coming to you live from out here in the field. Uh, we're hunting in the fourth season, Diane and myself. Uh, we both, uh, we've been busy with the business traveling. We were in Yorkton, Saskatchewan doing a show. We got home for about one day, had to get calls together and drove uh, ten and a half hours to Dallas uh, for the big DU show down there which was a great show we did very well met some new friends and saw some old ones we got back here and we just got our tags late last night for a four season i've been doing a lot of scouting and this spot is a spot that uh it's remote i've been watching it for a good uh three or four weeks they've been congregating in here it's hard to get here so we had a long walk to get in here this morning we set up the day before but uh, like I said, it's tough in that fourth season. Reason being that these gobblers have been pretty hot. They've been going um, with each other. They've got, they've had their own groups. They're uh, pretty pretty much that the the hen has picked a gobbler that she's wanted to be with. And um, I was told by Chuck Carpenter, is a good friend of mine, um, who's with DU. He's actually with, not DU, but WTF, NWTF. And uh, he was a biologist with them. And if that big gobbler gets shot that she's picked, it takes like 19 days, he said. 19 days to um, pick up with another one. And or she decides, so pretty tough. Uh, or if their eggs get ate up by the possums or coons or skunks but uh, this morning like i said early they were gobbling it's not gobbling hot like they were a couple weeks ago but they were still gobbling they were in here and we had a couple good ones uh, we parked way back but we had a couple good ones big ones from over on the west we had one that was on the east we got one that's out in the southeast we um pretty early we saw a, i call him walter I'm pretty sure he's one I've been after for quite a while. And um, Walter's, he's always been seclusive. He's always not been one to come in. He'll stand out. I've seen him with hens, but only one or two hens. And uh, nothing real super close. He's a kind of a loner. And um, it's just, he's got a real gray uh, head, but all his neck is super gray. Very big turkey. He's got to be pushing that 30 pounds. But he is the biggest wimp. I think he's just gotten older. And um, one thing that I found with these big gobblers and, and scouting around here, um, and it's a good idea for you guys who are setting up, you know, Jake decoys is not a bad idea to use a Jake decoy. But scouting around and a lot, what I've noticed, uh, we have a good uh, number of Jakes this year. And especially in this part over on the hill in this field, I've scouted this and, and watched the one, and I'm pretty sure it was Walter. I watched him, and there was four Jakes, two two-year-olds, and those Jakes kept running him out of the field and pushing him around. And uh, the two two-year-olds had the hens pinned up. So Walter, there's no doubt he was the biggest and oldest, but he was kept at a bay by the Jakes. And so it's something to think about when you're setting up, especially in this fourth season, because uh, I've noticed that they've kind of, the hens have been bred. Um, there's a few that are still with hens. But those hens are going to be nesting a lot more. And um, 
what you got to be careful, you know, using the one Jake, if you have a, a submissive Tom like we got over here with Walter, they're very tough to get to come in. Uh, and then you guys will put out a couple Jakes. It's definitely tough in the later in the year because um, he just doesn't want to get his tail whipped. And I've noticed that before hunting with Philip Vanderpool. Uh, Philip and I, a few years ago, he was filming me doing a hunt with a bow. I should have had the shotgun. But uh, we had a huge gobbler. And he, there was something wrong with it. He was wounded. He couldn't get the full strut. But, dude, he was, he was humongous. And uh, we spent, and it was really cool because he finally came down and there was open timber to the left of him where he was coming through. And he would be gobbling in that open tender, timber with that yodel and that uh, thunderous voice. But the echoing, it was just amazing. And he got about 35 yards, 40 yards, and just held up in kind of this weed fat patch and just wouldn't come in. We had a couple times, um, Jake's out there, and he just he just kept hanging out there, hanging. And uh, so I, I made the decision I was going to sneak out of the of the blind with the bow and, and try to see if I could stalk because he, he kept hiding in the high grass and see if I could get another 10 yards, 15 yards and shoot him. And when I got out of the blind, I had a hen standing right there and we filmed three big gobblers that were coming in to whip him. And he was hidden in that grass and those three gobblers I passed right up, walked right past us. But as soon as they got and, and this gobbler stood up, never seen anything like before, all three gobblers jumped straight, flew up in the air about 30 feet and then headed to that open timber. I snuck back in the blind we got him, I think, close as we, he came up. We had him standing at about 35 yards, and I took a hero shot, and it was a, ended up being a zero, but, I mean, I just, just in front of him, um, missed him. But uh, that was uh, that was a good example. I truly believe if we'd have had hens out, I'd have had a good opportunity of getting that, that gobbler in. And that's why I'm sitting over here. I've kind of, Diane and I are hunting together. I'm hunting with the... An old 1148 that uh, is beautiful. It's a collector's. It's a 410. It's got a full choke skeet model. And I'm shooting Apex 410. Uh, the Apex loads has just been devastating. This thing, I patterned at 25 yards. And it's just amazing the pattern that this full barrel is putting out. So I'm very, very confident with this gun shooting up that Apex load. Diane is shooting a um, Savage 220. 20 gauge we just this year has the accu trigger we got she likes the scope and we're shooting apex uh, again 20 gauge loads this is a gun that oh about a month ago she smoked her gobbler 29 pounder and we got the has the savage comes with her extra full turkey choke and we got that probably set at a couple pounds pattern it's just amazing gun it's and we got it on the uh bog 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 death grip keeps it steady for her and so um that's the same tripod she uses for predator hunting and for turkey hunting it's that's to my opinion it's the best tripod out there but um our plan and what we learned here today we saw the two guys like I was, I was talking about walter came out and i do what believe is for your calls what am i using for calls i'm using i'll tell you what i have a couple things let me set this gun right there Make sure no gobblers coming. But a um, couple of my favorites, and I'll tell you why. I like our two reed bat wing that I use a lot. And the two reed is, uh, it's not as loud as my three reed, 
But um, for me, and I'm not an exceptional, you know, I'm not a professional, but I am, I'd say, above average caller on it. Um, I like using a diaphragm, especially when I know they're coming in, I can keep my hands free. But actually, when I'm seeing them out there for ways, or the first thing in the morning, this is my favorite that we have. It's our legendary uh, walnut, but it's glass on one side and slate on the other. And the cool thing about this, this slate wasn't just placed anywhere. We've done, there's been several um, samples made where we decide where the best location, the best sound with the sound chambers for that uh, slate. But the cool thing I like about it, especially when they're on that roost in the morning, um, I like to hit them with a couple of clucks. And you hear how that gives that nice, sweet, uh, soft cluck. This is our laminated striker. This is my favorite. I like it because it has the hardness of it. And I like the way the uh, I take a little sandpaper. We use a 150 grit. And I kind of work that sandpaper like that to get the uh, little rough. But this thing... And that's what Walter, he came, when he came out, we saw him and we knew he was a big gobbler. And uh, we heard him gobbling as we were coming in. We were just almost too late, but we were still in the, of the darkness as we came. But we heard him gobbling over in the west. And we got in, and then he came right out of from the west. And as soon as we seen him, we knew we had a big one. I pretty much said, hey, I think we got, it might even be Walter. And just by saying he's got a head like a softball and then he's got this long neck and his it goes you know his blue and you know, most gobblers have that deep blue his blue is almost faded to this light blue or blue gray and that gray just goes it's when they get fired up you know how they'll get that white across their crown and it's not that he's just a an older bird and it, it, you just see nothing but gray as it goes all the way down and the size of him so i'm hoping i can tip his toenails and we can put it on scale. It, the sound of his gobble, that was all muted too, wasn't it? Oh my gosh, so old. that's a good one, Diane, because we were talking about that. He, I'm watching him and every time, and Diane's got the binoculars, and I'm actually she had the camera on him, and I'd hit the binoculars on him, and I'd hit it a couple of times, and I had my diaphragm. Once I had his, had his attention, I went to my two read, and I just soft cluck. And we just kind of hit that. And I'd do that, and you could see him gobble, and his gobble was just a ras. He was, he didn't have that sharp or that, you know, and immature gobbles will have that. I was telling Di this morning, you could tell Jake's kind of have a high pitch at where it comes off at the end, and it's a little short. But the, the big gobbler, mature gobbler, he'll have that gobble, but at, it, and it's at the end of the gobble, but it's always, it'll stay hollow. And, and this guy, and when they get super old, that at the end, instead of being hobble, hollow, has a, a rasp to it. And his it's almost like he was hoarse. His gobble wasn't, the only way you could tell he was gobbling because he was reaching his head out and, and popping back and forth. But we had him gobbling and when, first thing in the morning, he was working to us and I thought, oh my gosh, we're gonna get Walter. And uh, they'll get it on film. 
and we worked him good. I mean, he gobbled every time, and we were very, we worked the finesse. You know, once I had this, I'd run this, and I'd run the purge from the slate back to this, and he was working his way to it, so he got within 80 yards, and he was strutting. Then he'd break strut and start coming, and when he started coming, I would sit there and wait, and when he'd stop and strut, I'd, I'd just putt, purr, and then he'd start giving some soft yelps again. He'd break out of strut, and here it looked so good, then out of the fence line. Here come another a big size gobbler. I'm gonna take he was probably a younger gobbler because he had a huge hen with him. And as soon as he made his presence known into the field, I mean, Walter just took off on a fast walk, a very fast walk and started just walking over the knoll like I'm out of Dodge here. And then of course this guy comes out and he's strutting and he comes over to the same spot <clears throat> and struts and he gobbles. But right behind him, had a huge hen. I would say that it was his girlfriend. And he did a little dancing on the hill there. But then they ran across and went north, northeast from over the hill. They've been There's a side hill there that they've been uh, working on pretty hard for the last two weeks. And he just followed it over there. So we waited and waited. And then right out of that same west field, we looked. And then three jakes come out. And we called and called to them, and, and basically I was trying to see if we could get them in for footage to get them in. Again, they sat out there and just, you know, only one out of the three was really weird. Not all three would strut, just one out of the three would strut. So either I'm taking he was the dominant one out of the trio, but uh, they made it over, just crossed the fence, went into the cornfield. And uh, I don't know if another gobbler picked up with them because we heard one from the south. But Diane saw with out there in that field, she saw a huge gobbler, she said. So there was actually too far for us to work. We're, we're surrounded again, but we're kind of like in the middle and they're working their hedge around us. Uh, and this is, like I said, first time into the spot. So we really didn't have time of roosting birds or coming and scouting it, uh, scouting us because just so far back in. But... Um, But um, later on, and probably about after an hour, here come Walter back over the hill. And I thought, well, we might have a second chance. Now he doesn't have the other gobbler. He sat for 15 minutes on that hill back and forth again, strutting, and I got a good look at him. And I'm pretty sure it's the old gobbler that's been there. And again, the, he'd have the raspy uh, gobble, but he just sat out there and then ended up just totally walked right back. And went back into the, uh, there's a creek line down in there. We've got a, kind of a warm day and sunny. So I don't think they're going to stay out in the field too much. Um, if we had a little rain and Diane's talking, it's supposed to be raining a little bit in the afternoon. That's really the best time in these fields. When they get that light rain, they hate being in the woods. Of one thing, it messes up their senses. Um, and everything around them, they can't tell and can't hear as well. And they'll take on a light rainy days and come out in the fields. And they can definitely, where their hearing is lost, they can gain in their eyesight by looking for predators. And especially something like this, even a coyote or even a bobcat would be hard to sneak up on because it's just, though it's been killed up, um, and you know, they're working this pretty hard just because of, you know, there's bugs, um, all kinds of stuff that they're eating. Probably worms are coming up here after the rain. But uh, we had one goblin. And that was a good one. He was gobbling to the south of us. And what I did, I chose. It was my turn to shoot a gobbler. 
And I really definitely want to kill one with the 1148, the 410. But um, after seeing Walter and, and, and gaining, I think I got his pattern. I told my wife that she could hook up. And if we get this bird in, she can smoke it. Just the kind of guy I am. You know, I have Walter on my mind. And if I shoot Walter, he's going up on the wall. Um, he's a big bird. But here's the here's the deal. If uh, what, what we've done this before and you get this late season, I feel better if I had taken the Jake decoy away and actually put more hens out. The hens are getting scarce. They're getting down to the number of the ones being bred. So these gobblers out there who are the the, the, the breeders, you know, they're they're thinning down and looking for the new hens, and uh, really could care less about the Jake. Yeah, this is there's only three more days of the season, right? Yep. After today. Yep. Thanks a lot for reminding me that. But uh, we've been busy. But I got a feeling that um, what our plan is is once I uh, we get done here, I'm going to move and get the pickup, and we're going to move our blind. And and that's another thing. I'm when I used to hunt before we tried to film our hunts. You know, I, I ran, I was a run and gun. And um, run and gun, a lot of times I didn't use a decoy. That way they're not spotted, but they're going by sight. And they'll actually move tighter because they're looking uh, for that hen that they can't see. But run and gun is I can usually move. And if you hear them, I'll move 100 yards, call on him again. You never push it too hard. Just try to get another location on him. If he's moved to the east, then we'll try to move. And then once we feel that I'm within 100 yards or so, I will sit and wait and just keep calling. And a lot of times when a gobbler shuts up, that's when he's moving and he's coming in. So it's tough when you're filming because we put a pop-up line and we're trying our, you know. What about your pop-up line? It's a Oh, I got a muddy pop-up blind that has the 360, has a view out the windows where you can view out, which is really cool for turkey hunting. Very cool. Because we can see it's very comfortable. Even in the rain when Diane shot her turkey, it was raining pretty good. And, you know, we still stayed dry. But the cool thing about these windows is that we can look, you know, almost 360 around. And if anything's moving around, you can worry about it. It might be tough for deer hunting. Because I, I do a lot of deer hunting out of these blinds. But I utilize the blinds and closing them up of, of, of using my the blind as a vacuum to hold my scent in. So this could be, you know, with these open, your scent's going to blow right through. But for turkey hunting, this is tits McGee. I'm telling you, this is the, the thing to have. And your camo? And my camo? Well, I've had Lyme's disease and ticks. There's, we're in southern Iowa, folks, and it's just ticks are... They're crowded all over. It looks, it's just like our southern border. They're all over. And um, so we we have uh, spray on the skin. I use Promethean on my caps and, and stuff like this. But this is the new uh, Sika has the scent shield, has a scent guard in it. It's a double, um, there's a protection that uh, keeps them from coming. Actually, it keeps them from coming in. Then also has uh, Promethean worked within the fabric which uh, everybody knows Promethean is, re repels the ticks, gnats, and pretty much everything else. And I love this outfit. And I can't, you know, you basically can see I got the mask. I can put my mask, I got the hood I can put down. I can call. And, uh, you know, we got the gloves. It's got a deal where it's six, you know, you can put it down into your boots. 
I try to keep uh, everything covered in there, but you know, I crawled this morning trying to see if I could look over the hill. And if without this suit, I can guarantee it, I'd be coming back and Diane would have been pulling ticks off me. But um, it's, uh, I thought I heard a gobble. So anyway, we're gonna get back, you know, and that's one of the things we talk about. I've had guys, you know, we did a podcast on with Sick Gun and uh, on this, you know, the ticks and the repellion and these outfits and then also the new, I'll show you my new, um, Vest from Sitka, but yeah, why don't you? You want me to show that right sure. now? Well, let me put my call away. Love this vest, I like it because it's light and portable, and your seat's on it, babe. My seat's on it, yeah. All right, there we go. I use the backpack, you can put stuff you can you got a thing around here, but you can put a lot of your. Uh, coffee. I like my coffee pot. Again, it's just got so much room for everything that you want to put in here. Nice and lightweight. Yeah, Apex. And um, nice and lightweight. But here's a cool feature right here. It's kind of one vest fits all. Usually, um, I can't even sense what it is. Yeah. So what you look, you got small, medium, large, extra large, and <laughs> double extra large. But uh, I just need the extra room. Not that I'm that big, but uh, I like the double X star. But it, it just you can adjust it to customize to your size, and that's what I like. And one of the things, and I've had some great vests. Don't get me wrong, but they tend to be a little bulky. You got your pads in here. You keep your stuff, but the, your little padded seat is right here. And the cool thing is, I can zip it up like this. When I don't want to use it, you just pull the drawstring. It's nice and quiet, too. Absolutely. I have it down because... There's no Velcro. No zippers. Nope. They've, they've done their homework. Oh, yeah. I guess there is a zipper. Yeah. It's a quiet feature. I even sprayed my vest here with Promethean. I mean, everything on it. But you look, I got a thing for the pot calls. Got a thing right here for my striker. I put my... Uh, you can put your diaphragms in here. You can put your... Uh, pot call on there, your friction call. You load it right up, you got a little hook. Just like that. Nice and quiet. That's the thing about it. I like guys. the way that they put the, most people are right-handed, so they put the pot. Box call. <clears throat> yeah, the box call there. You got another little, right there for you. Whatever. Very cool. Yeah, very cool. You strap your turkey on. They got a way when you get it, you hook, you wrap it around, you, you hook this to the feet, and the turkey hangs back. And when you're walking, you got this. Safety always first, but it's light, it's portable, and. Um, and you can put your hydration bag back there. That absolutely, that's a good point, huh? That uh, you can put a hydration. Uh, I've never used a backpack with a hydration. I guess I'm from the old school yet, which I think it'd be kind of cool to have one in there. Um, maybe a little Jack Daniels or whatever. I don't know what guy. For the, but I love that. Uh, I love the vest. But let's. Uh, I'm gonna get talking again about this late season. You know, in the early season, you get spoiled 
like with Donnie, she shot her gobble. We, we did our homework. We set up, got her in that morning, started lightly misting rain. He was the only one that was working. He's the only one that was working. And um, we uh, slightly called at him. We worked on him. But we didn't call Hardick because he answered back and we answered back and once the, the call, and that's another thing, when you hit a gobbler and you hear him first and then the second time you hear him, you hear it closer. If you call again and don't hear anything, don't have, some guys will freak out and say, oh man, he went the other way. Heck no. That's when I really, I'll stop calling and what he's doing with gobblers are not um, gobbling back. You know, once you know he's in your direction, that means he's moving. And there's a good chance that he's on his way. And that's what this gobbler, he was a big one. He made it silent into the field. And the closer he got, you know, we had the decoys. And still one gobbler, he didn't run right in. He made his circle to, you know, to check it out and then to come in. And uh, die shot him at 30 yards and dipped his toenails and rest in peace and sent him to the uh, glory land, holy land. But... Uh, he was 29 pounds, but what, what I'm trying to talk about in right now, in this season, I mean, that hunt was over quick. A lot of times in the early season, your hunt will be over quick, when, especially when they hadn't picked up the hens, and they're more uh, receptive of coming right in and, and hitting that decoy. Well, this time of year, it's the fourth season, and um, you got to more being in the pathway you know if you're going to try to hit it in the morning you got to be where the hens or where they want to move out and where they're going to meet up with the hens and like i said this is the first time in this field watching what i've watched today i definitely know where i'm going to be and probably will increase our chances of like 70 percent tomorrow even though it's still hunting but i've got their pattern down and uh, we will move but on a, on a point like this if we had the time um especially sitting up in these blinds you know it's better just to sit till noon because about 10 o'clock what happens these these hens and the hens have been breeding with they'll take off and they'll go to to uh, nest and all these ridges all these fence lines and all this around here with the woods um especially these little uh we have ridges gullies in here they're going to go in there and, and these fence rows and they're going to go in there and they're going to nest and about 10 10 30 they head back well that leaves those gobblers receptive again looking for another hen and pretty much know that he lost his hens they're going to go nest they're going to come back uh later on when they hear a new hen so you know the midday and the 10 to the 10 30 2 o'clock is a good time to actually in this type of season to come out um run and gun a little bit but if you're going to come out you know try to get back out here and call because that gobbler's going to be a lot more receptive during that midday when the hens are nesting so i'm going to do a quick scenario like i said between the glass i, I showed you the slate but we're going to show you the glass and with the diaphragm we'll work in a gobbler
pretty much working on that sequence right there to help you out. I tell you what, um, I hope you like this uh, video. Go and, and uh, tell your buddies about it. Go click, go check it out on George uh, Legend of Gear with George Lynch. Share it and um, let us know you like it. Um, I hope it helps you out. We're in the last part of the season here. But anything else you want me to say, Di? Where can they find the calls? You can find the calls um, on Legendary Gear USA. We did very well, Don, and even though we were at our Ducks Unlimited show, we had done very well with our turkey products, the deer classics and everything else. It's just the quality of our pot calls and the quality of our mouth calls. We're using the best materials, the best latex, the best probolactic, everything, the stretch is perfect on every one of these and, and the quality in every one of our pot calls. So we've, uh, we haven't had the name, but the people who put the, I always said, if I can put the call in their hand, we're going to, we're going to gain their trust. So to get a chance, check it out, Legendary Gear USA, and then check out our podcast with Legendary Gear with George Lynch. They're also available at L.L. Bean's flag store. Yes, Diane says they're also available at L.L. Bean. Um, but the flag store in Maine. Oh, the flag store in Maine. So to get a chance, please check that out. Good people, great people, and all hunters just like us. And um, we'll stay tuned. We might be back tomorrow, and uh, Walter's going to be hanging on the side of a barn, head down. But uh, anyway, guys, I hope you appreciate it. As we always say out there, hunt safe, hunt smart. May the good Lord be your guide. Well, I'll be out there, rain is shining. A part of the great design Bring it on I can never get enough Because that's what Legends are made of